Welcome to the Superhero News Show. My name is Sean Gerber, and I am here to break down all the best stories as it relates to superheroes today. And we're going to begin with some great news coming from Deadline that Warner Brothers and DC Films are developing a Supergirl movie. Now, this is big news. A lot of times when we see characters who are on television, as Supergirl currently is, we tend to write them off as far as the movies are concerned. But we know that's not always the case. You have... Grant Gustin playing Barry Allen, The Flash, on The CW, and we have Ezra Miller playing Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, in the movies, and we still have a Flash solo film in development. So this news about Supergirl isn't, it shouldn't be shocking, and it's actually really exciting. Now, in the same way that we had different casting from the small screen to the big screen, I think we will see someone other than Melissa Benoist in this role. I still think that there are going to be a lot of exciting possibilities, and we can just have a completely different version of the character. I don't really know what Warner Brothers is going to look at in terms of casting, but I definitely feel like this should be an open casting call. This shouldn't necessarily be a role that just because Supergirl is being played by a white actress on television right now and the character is normally white in the comics, I think an open casting call would be a great idea for this character. I think actresses like Zendaya, if she's free, if she can actually... Uh, if she's not contractually limited to the Marvel Cinematic Universe playing Michelle, a.k.a. their version of MJ in the Spider-Man films for Sony and Marvel Studios right now, if she's able to go do that, I think Zendaya would be a really great choice for Supergirl. I also like Storm Reed, who was in Disney's A Wrinkle in Time earlier this year. I think they have a lot of great options that Warner Brothers can look at, and they just shouldn't limit those options uh, as they're deciding on Supergirl. But something else I want to touch on with this topic that I find interesting just amongst the fan conversation is... Something to the respect of what this means for Superman. Does this mean that Supergirl will be a place to kind of bring Superman back into the fold? Or should there be a Man of Steel 2 that introduces Supergirl before we get a Supergirl film? And I don't think this has to have anything to do with Superman. And frankly, I don't think it has. It, it actually does have anything to do with Superman. I think this was really just about... This project got some heat on it. Somebody had an idea, whether it was led by Walter Hamada, who's in charge of DC Films right now, or the writer, or Unusual, who wrote uh, 22 Jump Street, among his other credits. So I don't know where the idea originated, but obviously they have an idea that they like. There's no director or producer attached right now, but that's okay. Right now, it's all at the scripting stage and then seeing if a director wants to come in and is, all, is excited about this project and wants to hit the ground running with it. But I think this is a great project for Warner Brothers to develop. And then Superman can continue to work on its own development track. These two things, I mean, inevitably, of course, if Super, when Superman comes back to the big screen, we have a lot of crossover opportunities between Superman and this new cinematic version of Supergirl. And that will be a lot of fun. And speaking again of multiple iterations, we have a Superman who's on the Supergirl television series. And of course, we have Henry Cavill as Superman right now in the DCEU. So I think it, there are a lot of exciting possibilities about this. But first and foremost, it just is the fact that we are getting a Supergirl movie. And it's also encouraging to see Warner Brothers, I think, continuing to be out in front. Now, there's a caveat with this that comes with a lot of DC projects, which is we don't know if this is actually going to get made. We've had a lot of projects that have had their name. We've had a lot of name drops for projects, for film ideas, for DC Films and Warner Brothers over the years that didn't ultimately get made. But I feel like this is one that really could get made. And if it does, it really continues to put Warner Brothers and DC Films really out there as, as one of the leaders in terms of really having more diversity and inclusion within their films and especially having more female-led projects because they're putting their money where their mouth is with the Wonder Woman franchise, 
with Birds of Prey and now adding Supergirl to that roster, I think is something that is really important. It's really great. And it's not so much just the social initiative of it there. That part works, too, but also just the idea of these are exciting characters who are fun to watch and really inspiring. And in the same way that we saw everybody just embrace Wonder Woman last year, I think we would see that same thing happen with Supergirl. So I'm really excited about this project. Now, speaking of these female-led DC films, and particularly Birds of Prey, our other story, to another big DC story today, comes from The Wrap. They've reported that Black Mask will indeed be the villain that the Birds of Prey are battling in this film. We know we have characters like Harley Quinn, Renee Montoya, Black Canary, Cassandra Cain, who's been Batgirl, among other superhero identities in DC Comics. And Black Mask was one of the names that we speculated on a couple weeks ago when we talked about this film featuring a Batman villain that hasn't been in movies before. And that's really exciting to have Black Mask. And that's kind of the advantage of having these DC films, but also some of these these DC films that feature Batman-centric characters. It's a way to for us to get more of Batman's famous rogues gallery without necessarily having to have a million Batman movies because there are so many great villains in Batman's roster that it would take a long time to really go through his rogues gallery, especially because certain characters get repeated over time, whether that's the Joker, who we've had a few cinematic iterations of, or we know, or at least the rumor is that Penguin is going to be involved after not after being a part of Batman Returns in 92, could be part of Matt Reeves' Batman film. And so it's nice to see other Batman villains being featured. And Black Mask actually has history with some of these characters, also has a lot of history with female heroes and anti-heroes in DC Comics. And Black Mask, if you don't know the character, Roman Sianis murdered his parents, and then he just basically squandered a family fortune, and then he made a mask out of their coffins and got burned onto his face. And then that it was more of a wooden mask, but then they changed to more of a skull look in the early 2000s when the character came back to prominence in a Batman story arc called War Games. That's actually a really underrated Batman story arc. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. I really do like that. But Black Mask is a very sadistic villain. He is heartless, and he is so brutal. And he's the kind of villain that I don't think... He he has a side as a Batman villain that you haven't really seen, or that we haven't really seen on film yet. And it's very savage, it's vicious, and I expect that to be exactly what we see the Birds of Prey going up against. And so I'm really excited. This is one of of the Batman villains we've never seen in any movies, Black Mask was at or near the top of my list of characters that I wanted to see featured, whether that was going to be in Matt Reeves' Batman film or films, if it ends up being a series, or in one of these other movies, whether it was Birds of Prey or Batgirl or any of the other Harley Quinn spinoffs that are being developed. I really wanted to see this character, and so it's really exciting to see Warner Brothers bringing this character to the screen in Birds of Prey. And this is a villain where I, I really believe it's going to take the whole team to bring Black Mask down because he really is a tough out in Batman comics, in in DC comics. And as I said, he's going to give them all they can handle because this is a vicious, sadistic villain that they are going to be up against Moving on from DC, we're going to talk about Disney. We're going to talk about Star Wars because there was a new article from the New York Times today talking about Disney's upcoming streaming service, which is going to launch a little bit more than a year from now in late 2019. And the big hook so far for the Disney streaming service in terms of original programming is the Star Wars series that Jon Favreau will be executive producing. He's also writing the series. And... 
We have a little more information courtesy of the New York Times that the series is budgeted at $100 million for 10 episodes. So that's basically a $10 million million per episode budget. And that's a very aggressive budget. But it makes sense to me that we're seeing Disney go this route and really putting so much money behind this Star Wars series for a couple reasons. I mean, one, it's not that big of a... It's a big TV budget, but it's not that big when you compare $100 million for 10 episodes of Star Wars, and I'm guessing these will probably be roughly hour-long episodes, so uh, $100 million for 10 hours of Star Wars versus $250, $300 million for two hours of Solo, a Star Wars story. So you're still getting more Star Wars for your buck at this price range. Now, it's not the same, though, because you're not putting it on... You're not putting it in theaters. You're not getting the box office, but you also didn't get the box office all that... You didn't get a lot of box office revenue from Solo anyway. But more than that... You've got to have something that really shows that you're putting your all into this streaming service, and you have to have something that's going to compete. Because if you want people other than just the hardcore Star Wars nerds who will buy and watch anything Star Wars, you know you need more than that to really make this streaming service viable. So you've got to get people whose standards right now for top shows, they're looking at something like Game of Thrones, which usually has about a $12 million per episode budget. Other high-budgeted series like Westworld on HBO, because that's what you're competing with, is you're competing for people's dollars in terms of what they spend on their streaming services. And so you got to give them a reason to maybe not to maybe choose your Disney streaming service instead of HBO or Netflix, which will be an even tougher choice, or you know or any of the other ones that are out there, Showtime, all these other premium providers who have direct-to-consumer streaming, streaming services, that's who you're competing with, and they have shows that they spend a lot of money on and have really high production value. So that's what Star Wars is working. That's what Disney is up against. And so I think if they're going to put that kind of money into a series, a Star Wars series is a good bet, especially run by somebody as talented as John Favreau, who also has a really good eye, whether it's intentional or not, but really does a good job of making highly marketable uh, films that people that people really enjoy and tap into, and that mainstream mainstream audiences gobble up. So if he does that with this Star Wars series, then it's going to be a big win for Disney. And if it adds enough subscribers when this thing launches, then that's gonna it's going to it could pay for itself very very quickly. But obviously, there's going to be a lot more than just this Star Wars series. The only thing I would add, if it was possible, is if Marvel Studios, not Marvel Television, but if Marvel Studios was actually willing and able to produce a series for this Disney streaming service, particularly at launch, that might be something that would be an exciting possibility. But that's just me dreaming. I don't think that's actually in the cards. So with this Star Wars series, you got to spend the money on it. You really do. And it's not just the cliche of spending money to make money. Uh, you have to spend money in order to show people that you that this is something that they can invest in because you're willing to invest in it. And Disney's showing that with this investment in this Star Wars series. Now, the last topic that we want to talk about, we're sticking with Disney. We're shifting a little more specifically to Marvel. As you may have already heard, Dave Batista is not very happy right now with Disney after the firing of James Gunn as the director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 last month. We talked about this. I uh, spoke about it with Mark on the Superhero News Show. And 
This is a very complicated topic. It's a very controversial subject for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. But as it relates to Dave Batista and what he's saying, he sent out a tweet over the weekend where he mentioned he said that he would be going ahead and continuing with his work on the Guardians franchise out of legal obligation. But he really said effectively in his mind, without James Gunn, there is no Guardians of the Galaxy. And he also said that he feels nauseated to be working for Disney after the firing of James Gunn because he feels they just succumbed to uh, succumbed to pressure of what he called right-wing fascists and hashtag cyber Nazis. That's Dave Batista's take on this. And then he also told the shortlist that he would be willing to ask for his release or to ask to be cut from or just recast for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 if they don't keep James Gunn's script. Because that's been one of the question marks ever since James Gunn was fired is whether or not Disney would try to scrub Gunn's name from this film as much as they can. And a huge part of that would be making sure he doesn't get a screenplay credit. And that doesn't necessarily mean he wouldn't still get story credits or executive producer credits. That would also be, that would depend on some other contractual situations from when James Gunn initially signed with the first Guardians film or when he signed for a sequel. But if it's just, if we're talking about the screenplay credit specifically, the only way to eliminate his name from that would be to toss out his script. And James Gunn did turn in a draft of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 uh, script. So do they keep that and just have a new director and possibly a new writer work from that and still work based off of that story? Or do they completely throw it out and start over? And according to Dave Batista, if they start over, He's not going to be interested in that, and he would rather just not work on the project. Now, he, but again, he also talked about fulfilling his legal obligation because he's under contract to make a third Guardians of the Galaxy film. The bigger issue here, though, is that you just have a deteriorating relationship, and you have a situation where you have somebody who's working for Disney. Now, as an actor, he's not really an employee of Disney. He's an independent contractor, but he's working for Disney on these Guardians films. He's going to be showing up, we assume, in Avengers 4. I know I know, Drax went to dust in that film, but presumably he's going to be coming back. And so with all of that in mind, like, how do you navigate this? Now, he probably doesn't have to do press for Avengers 4 because I don't think they'll have the people who turned to dust after the snap do press leading into Avengers 4. But if you just look at this whole situation with Dave Batista right now, how is this going to play out? Over the life of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Is he going to show up on set disgruntled, unhappy, not really wanting to be there? Is that going to impact his performance? And then when it comes time to promote Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on the press tour, Dave Batista has no problem sharing his feelings right now after, you know, when it, with it being a few weeks since James Gunn's firing. So will he then turn around and also be willing to share those feelings? And will he be just as angry and frustrated by this whole situation? when it's time to promote Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and you know the journalists who are doing interviews with him are definitely going to ask him about his feelings and if they've changed at all. Since we're all seeing these tweets and all of his comments and interviews right now, has there been any change? And the, the truth is there may not be any change. And so I think at this point, Disney, the reports are they're unlikely to rehire James Gunn. And I understand why they would feel, I understand why they feel like they needed to fire him. I also understand why they feel like they can't rehire him but I feel something has to happen here. Something's got to give with this situation. And I'm not saying fire Dave Batista; That'll look worse. And I'm also not saying silence Dave Batista because that'll look worse. They can't do that. But you have to try and see what you can do to manage this relationship, to salvage this relationship. You had the Guardians of the Galaxy 
cast coming out last week and issuing that open letter in support of James Gunn and also saying in their social media posts that he should, that they feel he should be reinstated. And so Batista is obviously the most vocal member of the Guardians cast with respect to this whole situation, but that doesn't mean he's the only one with strong feelings. And so I think with Dave for sure, because you know how he feels on this, he's putting his emotions on his sleeve, but you should also maybe check in with everybody else. Maybe it's time for Disney to reach out to the Guardians cast, have everybody come in for a meeting, and just air their grievances, and maybe air their grievances in front of the people who were in charge of making this decision to fire James Gunn. Let them be heard. And maybe, especially if Disney can go into that meeting with an open mind, that they absolutely, if they can go into an open mind instead of going in with the decision made that they already will, uh, that they, they already are most certainly not going to, fi- to rehire James Gunn, if they go into it with an open mind, let this cast be heard, they don't ha- actually have to change their mind. The end result could still be that Disney says, look, we still can't rehire James Gunn. We're sorry, but there's a difference between, but there is value in business and management and allowing people to feel like they're heard, even if it doesn't ultimately change the result of the situation. There, people usually feel better when they get a chance to feel as though they've been heard, that they had the chance to air their grievances, and that you know what what they think, what they feel, all of that matters. And it's better for Disney if all of those things happens if all of those things happen behind closed doors, rather than continuing to have this play out in the court of a public opinion in social media, where there's just going to be new articles every day about the latest thing that Dave Batista or some other cast member said, because we've had other people uh, speak in defense of James Gunn or come to, uh, or at least supporting James Gunn and his redemption and his reinstatement, whether that's Kurt Russell, who talked over, who spoke about it over the weekend. This stuff is just going to keep coming up unless Disney can get everybody together and maybe try to get them on the same page. And even if there's not universal agreement, even if there's no consensus over what the right call was or what the right call is now, at least give people a chance to feel like they're heard to maybe settle these waters a little bit. Because if it keeps coming up like this, then this will just continue to be the dominant story of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and it won't be the movie itself. So I really do hope they reach out, that Disney reaches out to Dave Bautista and other members of the Guardians of the Galaxy cast Give them a chance to, rather than just airing their grievances in social media, do it in the Disney offices in front of the people who are in charge of making this decision and also in charge of whether or not Disney sticks to this decision. I think that might go a long way, even if it doesn't change Disney's final decision as it relates to James Gunn's employment with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But that is where I will wrap up today's edition of the Superhero News Show. Thank you so much for watching, and I hope if you like this video, you will go and click the thumbs up button, share this video, leave a comment, subscribe if you're not already subscribed to our channel. And then keep up with us every day at SuperheroNews.com, Facebook and Instagram at SuperheroNews.com, and on Twitter at SuperheroNewsCB. If you'd like to keep up with me, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Superhero News, I'm Sean. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. We'll be right back.